Hello, good morning. So good to see all of you in the house of God. So I'm going to preach from the same passage, Revelations chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. And if you could follow me there, I, I would read. It's Revelations 2, 1 to 5. Okay, Revelations 2, 1 to 5. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you, cannot, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Very scary. Thank you, Jesus. Can I just pray a little while? Thank you, Jesus, for this word of God that is everlasting to everlasting, that would always resonate in all of our hearts. Father God, we commit this service and this word of God into your hands and say, you know, uh, Holy Spirit, you're free to move in this place. Our heart belongs to you. Our mind belongs to you. So come and do a regenerative work in us. Come and renew our minds and regen our hearts, Father Lord Jesus, towards what it really means to love Jesus and to love God uh, forever and evermore. So I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So part one, I'm going to do a short recap on part one. So if you were here, if you were not here and you want to take a look at a message, it is always available on YouTube. Um, so, so, so is every other sermon on this stage. It is available on YouTube, so please go and watch it. Uh, um, a lot of my context, I have to assume that you already have been at part one. So um, I'm not going to mention a lot of things that I, I, I really do still want to mention today. But at part one, uh, uh, one of my gists of the message is that uh, God says to the, uh, to the Ephesus church, you have forsaken your first love. And again, the word forsaken means left. God didn't say you have lost your first love. God said you have left your first love. And there's a huge difference. Because if you have lost your first love, it means you cannot get it back. That's a lost love, right? You can't get it back. If you lost your car keys or somebody has taken your car keys and you cannot find it anymore, you don't have your car keys anymore. And therefore, you have lost it forever and evermore. And that's very scary if God tells us that we have lost our love, which means that we can't get it back. But He's good. He's gracious. He's a good God. And he says that, no, church, you have left your first love. Because when you leave your keys somewhere, you can always come back and retrieve your keys. And that is exactly uh, the message from Revelations 2. We have left our love, and, but the good news is we can get that first love back into our lives. All right? So a lost love is not uh, a left love. Uh, and the, and I, I anchored it on three main points on Revelations 2 verse 5. It says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. So the first point is remember. And in the, in the part one, I said, remember how much God loves us. Remember how much God would do anything for us. Remember how we are so lost and then we found God. We belonged into His family. Remember how much that uh, He called us a son of God, a child of God, and I love you so much that I would do anything for you. Remember that He will look after us all the days of our entire lives. Remember how good God is to us in our lives. Uh, and then, but then God says, if you have left that first love, if you have forgotten, you have left that love, come back and repent. Because the moment you repent before God, you can remember your first love and God will always be gracious to forgive you. Repent and come before God. And then the last point is respond and do the works you did at first. Respond to God. So it's not good enough to just repent and tell God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But we need to respond and do something about it. And that is where I feel like I haven't completed the first sermon. I didn't touch, I didn't have much time to touch about respond. How do we respond to God? 
how do we know we have come back to our first love? How do we know? What, what are we doing in our lives that indicates that we have gotten our first love back and that we are in love with God? How do we know? So that is where uh, this sermon comes from, our first love, part two. How do we respond to God? And I believe that the moment uh, we have the right response, repentance is automatic. But the moment we, we realize that we have fallen so far from the first love, repentance is automatic. Right? Okay? Okay, so my first point. How can we respond? I'm going to anchor it in three points today. Love God by loving people. Love God first and then obey. Love God for God. Love God by loving people. Love God first and then obey. And love God for God. All right? So the first point is love God by loving people. One of the one of the simplest, most uh, uh, easiest way to know that you are in love with God is when you look at your lives, our lives, and how our lives relate to other people. And we ask ourselves this, are we loving people? Because when we're loving people, it shows that we're loving God. When we're loving people, it shows that we're loving God. And if, you, if, if, if this is from the book of Ephesians, the whole of Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6, it's all about Christian living on how we can be less angry, less malicious, uh, uh, don't indulge in sexual immorality, don't indulge in idolatry, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do a lot of things. And then it also says, do a lot of things. Uh, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another, uh, equip one another, be in the brotherly bond of love, be united in the church of God. So there's a lot of don't do's and there's a lot of do's, all right? And I'm going to cover the don't do's and do's of Christianity soon in my second point. But I'm going to sum it up uh, in one, uh, uh, what I, I like to call Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 2, about walking in love. Because it says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly beloved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Dearly beloved children, walk in the way of love. You see, if we've never heard Ephesians 4, 5, 6 preached, you can. It's on YouTube again. If, but if you've never heard the sermon at all, and this is your first time hearing a sermon about Ephesians, I'm going to sum it up by saying, walk in the way of love. Don't worry about the do's. Don't worry about the don'ts. Don't worry about the, the long list of what we should or should not do. If we can just remember the one commandment God has given us to love people. Because if you cannot love people, then you don't understand how much God can love us. The only, there's only two reasons why we don't love people. If you don't love people, one, because people are the worst, all right? The other person is always the worst, right? He's, he or she is the worst. You know, sometimes when we're mature Christians, I always find this fallacy, especially in myself. We're so mature, we know the Word of God that every time when we make a mistake and we have offended another person, we tell that Christian, go, oh, well, remember what God has told you? You forgive me, right? You be kind to me. You're supposed to be gracious and merciful to me, right? Because we're all fallen sinners, right? So we tell the other person to forgive me, right? And that's why, uh, that's, so sometimes we forget that the second point is that we are also terrible, terrible people, right? We need to remember that not just other people are terrible, that we're terrible people as well. And even in our dirtiest of state, in our most terrible of state, God still loves us. And if we understand how much God loves us, it's easier to love someone else. You know, I struggled with this concept for the longest time of my life. This sermon is not about this struggle, but I want to touch about it a little bit. You know, I struggled with loving people my whole life because, hey, I've been very hurt. Uh, I, I was a lot of, I was very bitter when I was younger. I, I, was a, I was very hurt by people. And there was a lot of things that went on in my life that really hurt me about people. 
that um, not many people know. I was so hurt that it's so difficult for me to love people. And I, even, even when I came to Christ, even when I read the book of Ephesians, even when I've even read commentaries and I'm, I'm even studying theology, so sometimes it's just really difficult to love people. But there is always one thing that helps ground me in, in when God tells me you have to love someone else. It says, that person that you think is the worst person on earth that is Hitler personified and that this person doesn't even deserve heaven, if that's that person you think and it's so difficult to love that person, I want you to remember, I love him too, as much as I love you. Don't forget that. My love for him is no less than my love for you. You may think that he has murdered 1,000 people, that he has raped 1,000 people, that he has... Of course, there's nobody here done that, right? I'm giving a hyperbole example, right? Uh, he's the worst of the worst of humanity, and that he's the hypocrite Christian. He's, he, he's the walking contradiction, and how can he be this? How can she be this? How can, how can God, how can you love that person so much? And God looks at me and goes, you think you're any different? You think you're holier than him? You think you're better than him? You think it's so easy for me to love you and so difficult for me to love him? God says, no, I love everybody the same. And when I, when I think of that, how much God has loved me, sometimes it makes it just a little bit easier to say, that's true. It's easier for me to love than someone else. I want to end with this little, little short testimony that really touched my heart. And um, uh, it's just, uh, sometimes in integration, we get a lot of visitors in the church. And not every visitor will stay only because uh, sometimes they live overseas. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, they're just visiting for one week. Sometimes they're not even in town. So sometimes they don't stay. There is one visitor that don't stay, that didn't stay, not because he didn't want to stay, but his economy, uh, his economy of his family doesn't allow him to come to church. So he lives really far away. He's an asylum seeker from another country. He came to this country as a refugee, uh, as a family of three. He has a little, he's a young a son, seven years old. He has no work in this country because he has no work permit. Uh, so he has to work uh, illegally uh, just, to, just to make it for his family, right? So to him, if he earns 15 ringgit a day, slaving for 12 hours, that is good enough to feed his family for one whole day. So that's his situation. And of course, he came once, and I, I, some of us, uh, myself and the leaders, we connected with him, and we just said, hey, you know, we want to help you out because, because it's, it's difficult without help, right? And one day, he called me up, and he says, you know, my son fell down, and he broke his arm. He broke his arm, and I, I, obviously, I'm not a Malaysian citizen. I cannot go to a general hospital and pay one ringgit and get treatment. I definitely can't even afford general hospital fee, let alone private hospital fee. What am I going to do? He's, he's in pain. He can't even go to school. He can't do anything. But he needs treatment, right? Uh, and I said, you know what? I, I, I will try to help you. I'm going to try to see what I can do. But before I, he, he reached out to some of our integration leaders as well. And I said, before I could do anything, they did it first. And I'm like, wow, I'm so encouraged by you guys. Uh, I hope you're, I don't know if you're here, but I'm so encouraged by you. The leaders want to remain anonymous. That's why I'm not mentioning their names. But the leaders, what they did is they went to the zone, they went to the cells and says, you know what? This is a situation for a person in need. It's not even a Christian person in need. It's just a person, a human being, a family that's in need. Will we just gather, uh, can everyone just pay 10 ringgit or 15 ringgit per person and then have 500 to 600 ringgit for this family just so that the son can go to a hospital and get it fixed? And they did that and they went to visit the family and they were so much in tears and said, what kind of church is this? And I'm like, wow, this is the church I want to be in, loving people. Because when we know how much God has loved us in our depravities and in our sinfulness and in our nothingness, remember a time where we are a nobody and Christ still loved us? And that is them. They are a nobody, but yet somebody still showed love to them. And that is really what the Christian faith is about. So if you forget to love people, you have not come back to the first love of Christ. Which brings me to my second point. Love first and then obey.
love first and then obey. And here, the order is very important. It's love first and then obey. It's not obey first and then love. And I take it from John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And that's very true. Look, I'm not preaching against not obedience. We must obey. We are Christians. God has called us to obey. It's a commandment. We have to obey every single commandment He has set for us, not for His good, for our good, right? As, as now, that, well, now that I'm a parent, I know. I said, son, you have to sleep in a cot. Not because it, I want to confine you in a space, but because when I fall asleep, I know that you're safe and you're not going to fall down and smash your head. That's why I want to keep you in a cot. Rules are good for us, not for God, right? So the important thing is here, love first and then obey. Because the moment we don't love God and we try to be good Christians by obeying Him, we, we will fall into guilt. We will fall into condemnation because we will never be able to obey Him perfectly. Am I right? And that's why there's so many Christians in this world who are struggling with all the rules and the do's and don'ts because we keep telling God, God, I can never meet up the mark. If you have ever been addicted to anything, right, in this entire world, and I believe it's 100% in this room, it's just that sometimes we don't realize what we are addicted to. I didn't realize I was addicted to my handphone until I have a son, and my wife and I agreed that there is no handphone at dinner times because we want to teach our son that we, we, we want to talk to each other and not talk to our phones. I didn't realize I was so addicted that every, every dinner time, even though he's so young, we're trying to practice it when we are young, right? I still have to, I need to, there's somebody just emailed me, right? I need to reply, right? There's somebody just uploaded a video on Instagram. I need to see it, right? I didn't realize I was so addicted to it until, right, we have a rule, right? Um, so that's, that's, well, that's one of my real-time struggles in my life right now. But that's not the point. If you've ever been addicted to something and you've tried to be a good Christian by obeying the law and say, I should not watch what I'm watching on the internet. I should not be angry at someone. I should not lie in the workplace. I should not do this. And you're trying to obey the law and you're frustrated because it has been 20 years and you have not broken free from that, from that sin or that cyclic sin. Can I just say one thing? Because we have gotten the order wrong. We are trying to obey to be good Christians. We need to love first. And when you have fallen in love with God, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, sooner or later, it will be really quick to break that sin. When we have fallen in love with God and realize how depraved we are and how good He is, it's easier for us to get out of sin. And I always tell people who come to me and say, I'm addicted to something. And there are a lot of prayer requests. I don't want to listen to this music. I don't want to watch these kind of movies. I don't want to watch what I'm watching on the internet. And I say, you know what? I can give you all the laws in the entire world. I could monitor your internet usage. I could take away your computer. I can take away your phones. And I've done that before for, for people, all right? I take away their phones for a week. I take away the computers for a week. I could do that for you. But at the end of the day, you will still find a way to do what you want to do because you have not fallen in love with God. You have not had God in your heart and fallen in love with Him so much that you love Him more than you love something else. Whatever that else is, right? Love first and obey. And I, I really love this story from, uh, from Genesis 39. It's a story of Joseph. This is even before the time of the law. You see, when God gave the law, He gave it on the time of Moses in the book of Exodus. So this is Genesis, before God gave the law. And when Joseph... Um, if you know the story, Joseph was, uh, 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 was working in a, in a house uh, uh, by a guy and, a, and, of course, by a girl. And the wife, Potiphar, really liked Joseph. And, of course, she's, uh, she wants to sleep with Joseph, all right? Um, but Joseph said, no, I will not sleep with you because how can I do such a wicked thing in the sight of God? 
And that really moved me when I, every time I read it, I'm reading Genesis to my son. Every time I'm, I'm coming to Genesis 39 and I love that story and I want to tell him that story. And every time I read that story, it moves me because it reminds me of the fact that why did Joseph say what he did? He didn't have the law. He didn't have the list of do's and don'ts in the church that tells him you cannot commit adultery. He didn't have that law. He knew it in his heart. Why? Because he loved God. He didn't say, I cannot sleep with you because you are married to another man and that is against your law and then he will kill me. He didn't say, I will not sleep with you because God says I should not sleep with you. He didn't say, I should not sleep with you because of this law, that law, that rabbinic law, that mosaic law, this church law. He didn't quote any law. He just said, I love my God and my God says, this is not what I want you to do. Therefore, I'm just not going to do it. And sometimes if we don't know any laws in the entire world, the love of God will carry us through. But only if the love of God is hidden in our heart, consecrated in our hearts. And that's why, we, that's why there's a plea to come back to the first love of Christ. And if you've been so tired of following a law to be a good Christian, you're so tired. You know, I, I tell my wife this. Um, I used to be a Christian where I condemn myself for not being able to wake up at 6.30 in the morning to read my Bible. Because that's what I've, I've been taught when I was younger. When you read your Bible and you want to be a committed Christian, you need to wake up at 6.30. And it says, God, I can only wake up at 6.35. No, I'm just kidding. Right? Um, no, I said, I said, literally, God, I cannot wake up anywhere close to 6.30 in the morning. All right? But I can sleep at 3.30 at night. I'm a night owl. I work at night better than I do in the morning. So I said, I used to feel so bad about myself because I do my quiet time at night and not in the morning. I used to. There's one time I just had an encounter with God and God says, why are you feeling so guilty? You are spending time with me and that's all that matters. Don't, don't be so rigid with your laws. Don't make law above my love. Don't put laws above my love. Put love above my laws. And I really want to substantiate this point with this. When I, when I was courting my wife, when, before we got married, I guarantee you this, nobody in the world, when they court a person, would go up to that person and goes, why don't you give me all the laws that you have in this relationship? And then I will show you that I can obey those laws and therefore I love you. There's nobody, there's no, I, don't, I don't remember any relationship that starts that way. I didn't go to Kim and says, Kim, could you give me 10 things that you don't want me to do? 10 things that you want me to do, and when I obey them, I prove to you that I love you. There's no such thing. When, when the first time I fell in love with my wife, trust me, I have no idea what she likes or dislikes uh, or, or, or her habits around the house or, or quirks and her, or she would never tell me her quirks until we're married, right? Until we seal the deal, then she tells me her quirks, right? Um, like, but the first at least six months of our relationship is just me, can I get to know you better? What, what, what do you like to do, really? What do you like to do? Do you like to eat Korean food? Let's go eat Korean food. Do you, do you like to eat a, a buffet? Let's go eat a buffet. What do you like? Who are you, really? What is your history? What have you been doing for the, for the 30 years of your life? You know, where do you go to school? Where do you grow up? Where do you live? Can I go to the house that you first uh, was first living in and now the house that you were living in? I want to know all about you before I get married to you. And that is exactly the relationship that we have with God. But sometimes we, are, we forget to fall in love with God, and we make the laws of God above the love of God. Haven't we? We've made God all about, I need to know about you, is I must do X, Y, and Z, and then I've shown that I've loved you. And God says, no, I want you to reverse the order. I want you to love me first. And then when you love me enough, you would realize that every single commandment that I've laid before you, every single law that I laid before you, you would want to do it because it's for our own good. 
There's a reason why God says don't commit adultery, do not steal, do not murder. Because the once we do that, we are so we feel so guilty, so dirty, so so in sin that it's so difficult to go to God and pray. Am I right? Have you all felt that you're so sinful, so guilty that it's so difficult to go to God and says, God, forgive me? It's so difficult. It's easier to just sweep it under the carpet and just let it lie. That's where it starts. The forgetting and the left, the forsaking of our first love, right? And that's why rules are meant to keep us in God's love and not keep us away from God's love. And that really leads me to my final point. We have a lot of time, but don't worry. My final point is very long, right? That leads me to my final point. Love God for God. Because you're asking me, all right, put, put the love of God first in my life. I'm going to put the love of God first in my life. But what does that mean? How do I know I put the love of God first in my life? How do I know that the laws are not above the love of God? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the laws of God are bad. The laws of God are good. But it should never be the first love. It can only be, this, at best, the second love. The first love should always be God's love for us. But how, how do I know that I've responded and come back to the first love of God? How do I know? And it's really this. Do you love God for God? Or you love God because of what He can do for you? Do you replace your unconditional love for God for God and replace it with a conditional love for God? What do I mean by this? If we check our prayers every day, we check our prayers, check our lives, check our prayers. This is a time to reflect, right? Every Sunday is a time to reflect when you hear a sermon of God. And check our prayer lives. And we, we ask God, God, I want this. I need this. Help me with this. And, and most, of our, most of the time, our prayer request goes, I need something at work. I need something with my health. I need something with my family. I need something with my sinful situation. And you're always asking God to do something for you. My question is, when was the last time you prayed and asked God about Him? When was the last time that you said, God, I'm, I'm here before you, God. I'm here. I'm a sinful man. I've committed all wrong, but I'm here. I want to know you better. Tell me more about your love. Show me more of your love for me. When was the last time you prayed? Show me more of how much you love the other person that I just struggle to forgive. Show me. When was the last time you asked God to show Him to you? When was the last time you asked God, God, when you say your grace is sufficient for me, what does that mean? You know, that's a very hard phrase. Grace is sufficient for me. I don't feel like His grace is sufficient for me. I need so many things. How can His grace be sufficient? And sometimes we rely, we rely on the pastors to tell us why His grace is sufficient for us. We rely on commentaries. We, re, we rely on sermons to tell us what's the best way to know, to go to the person who said it. Your grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. Why don't you ask the person who said it? Have we ever asked Him? Have we ever opened our Bibles and get excited for God and says, wow, I don't understand a single thing I'm reading, but I'm still excited. And I'm going to ask God to tell me and, and reveal to me His Word to me. When was the last time? Because if you have never done it in your entire life, can I just say, maybe, just maybe, we have not fallen in love with God. And all we know about falling in love with God is, tell me which laws I have broken today. Tell me which laws that I need to do today. Tell me what I need and not need to do. When was the last time you have missed God? You know, when you are in love with someone, you 
miss that person when that person is not there. Am I right? Right? When you fall in love with someone. Like, for example, right now, my wife is not here, right? I do miss her. And recently, I miss my wife the most when I stay up to do the 4 a.m. feeding, right? I miss my wife the most because I'm like, oh, I'm doing this by myself and he's so cute, right? Um, he's, he really, he, he's, he's such a guzzler. He's so hungry. He wants to drink every single drop that I'm giving him. But I miss my wife. She's not here. She's not sharing this moment with me. I don't know. I'm, and all the mothers in this place, the fathers are like, don't worry. The time will pass when you don't miss your wife, right? In these situations. But don't worry. Let me just rev, revel in my own situation. This time has not passed for me yet and I'm still in it. I'm like, wow, I do miss my wife. And when was the last time we have missed God? When you don't spend time with Him, do you miss Him? Do you miss it? Do you long to spend time with God? Do you? Because if you don't, and sometimes I don't, if we don't long and miss God, we have to ask ourselves, do we love God? Or have we made our love stale? You know, there was this, there's this story, and this, comment, this commentary that I've been, re- uh, not reading, but watching, um, and it's been, it's, it really captivates me, uh, at least for the last three weeks. It's a story of, of China Christians. Um, and I don't know why it captivates me, because I guess my family and Kim's family are all going back to China. It, it really captivates me, because maybe that's my root, where I really came from, China Christians. And I'm like, wow, there are Christians in China? That's amazing. And there's a video that I watched. I really can't show it, because it's so long. There's a video that I watched when, when there are Bibles being brought into China. Of course, it has to be done illegally, right? And, uh, because they banned Bibles there. When the Bibles were brought into China, we can literally see, and I literally saw in a video, of China Christians rushing to get a copy of the Bible. And I'm like, wow. When I saw that video, I was inspired and rebuked at the same time. And I'm like, wow. I live in such a comfortable Christian life. I, you know how many Bibles I have at home? Uh, now that I've married my wife, you know, we can open a bookshop, right, of Bibles, right? We've got one copy in the ESV, NIV, NLT, uh, NKJV, KJV. We've got uh, the Message Bible. We've got all the different versions of the Bible. And if you want hard copy I have, you want the reader's version, the, the pure of the pure Bible without the verse and the chapters, without the numbers, with no footnotes, no commentary, nothing, I have that. You want a thick study Bible, I have that. On my phone, on my laptop, I have a Bible. And we're so comfortable in our situation that I sometimes I forget that we have so many Bibles. Do I ever run to a Bible and say, God, I need your word right now because I love you and I miss you? Or we're just, oh, it's there. And when it's convenient to me, when the pastor, more often than not, it's Pastor Lichu, she will ask me to read my Bible, right? And she says, read it in chunks, right? Got to read it in chunks. Then, okay, fine, I'll do it. Or do we long to read our Bibles? And when I saw that video, I'm like, wow, God, I don't, I don't think I have, I have that. I think I've left my first love. I don't think I rush to a Bible and says, Kim, I need to read my Bible right now. Give me a second. I need to read this Word of God right now. Even if I don't understand it, I need to, I need to read something in the Word of God. I've missed it. Where, have we, where are we in our first love? And then the commentary continues, right? And we know that uh, the Chinese government is cracking down on the churches in China. And the reason why they're cracking down on the churches in China is not because they hate Christianity. That's what I like to believe in. That's what the documentary said, right? It's because... They see religion as something that opposes their communist uh, doctrine and regime. So the moment another religion is introduced in the country, it creates dissension, and maybe you will love uh, that religion more than you love the country. 
So they're afraid of disunity in the country, all right? So that's fine. That's very fair of the government. That's okay. We're not here to condemn any government. We're just here to say that because of, the, of this fear of disunity in the country, they're climbing down on Christians. They're persecuting Christians. They're closing down uh, churches. I even saw videos where the, where the church was demolished, literally demolished by the Chinese government. They're nowhere to be found anymore. They're climbing down on underground churches as well. Um, and then uh, there's this pastor that came up, and I think he leads uh, a, a, a conglomerate of churches there. And it was about a thousand, he represents about a thousand pastors in this documentary. And he said, he's gotten so bad that sometimes I don't know if I have a place to work because, you know, the, the government is taking away all my buildings, right? And he says, but, but we still want to stand up for Christianity. So he took a letter. And he wrote the letter to the Chinese government. And the letter can be summed up in two things. Number one, he says, we, we as in the 1,000 pastors, are telling the Chinese government, we love China. We're not here to create dissension, to disunite China. We're not here to hate China. We're not here, we're not extremists to have, to kill people who don't believe in Christianity. We love people and we want, and we love China to the day we die. And we will die for China if we have to die for China. We love China so much. But then the second point goes like this. But we also love Jesus. And if you force us to choose between China and Jesus, you give us no choice. You say you have to choose one or the other. The thousand people said we would choose Jesus. And if that means jail time, if that means persecution, I will accept the consequence for my actions. Right? And, and, and the boldest thing that touched me is they signed the, the document with their names, their address, where their family lives, uh, where all the, the thousand pastor lives, because the moment they put their name there, they could have signed it anonymous and give it to them, right? But it's more powerful if you have your name, because once you put your name there, they know that the Chinese government know exactly who you are, and if they don't like what you write in the letter, they can come to your home and take you away to a detention camp. And they said, I'm ready to pay the price for Jesus. And this morning, I want to ask all of us here, are we ready to pay the price to love Jesus? And we may not need to pay the price against our government, praise the Lord, but what about the price against our flesh? What about the price against something that we want to watch online? Are we ready to say to the enemy and our flesh, flesh, enemy, I know you want me to watch this thing online, but if you're going to give me a choice between watching this and loving Jesus, I'm going to choose loving Jesus and I walk away. Are we willing to sacrifice? And I know in my flesh, I want to get promoted and I'm so tempted to badmouth my boss or badmouth my colleagues and just say that, you know, I, want to, I deserve this promotion more than that guy because I'm so-and-so and that guy is so-and-so. I'm so tempted to do it, but I'm not. Because if you're going to give me a choice between being a, a, being a, a bad testimony in my workplace or loving Jesus, I'm going to choose loving Jesus. Even if loving Jesus means I never get that promotion for the next 10 years, I'm still going to choose to love Jesus. Are we willing to choose Jesus above all else? And that's the first love of Jesus. Are we willing? Are we willing to say that I have to wake up? Like this morning, it was so hard for me to wake up at 7 just to get ready, right? Just to come to church on time at 8.30. It may be easy for you, but you know I'm not a morning person. It's so easy. But when I wake up, I said, God, I choose to come to your church more than I choose to have five more minutes of sleep. I choose. I have to make that conscious decision. And whenever I'm so tired and so sleepy, I have to say, God, I choose to open the Bible and read just one chapter. It just, took, it just takes me 10 minutes. And when I argue with my wife 
and it's difficult because my wife says that, you know, I have to do this and I don't want to do it because I'm so tired and we, of course, it's not so pleasant at home. And then it hits 10.30 at night. And then I said to myself, I choose to take my wife by my, her hand and read the Word of God because I love Jesus more than I love my own anger for my wife or, or my own sin or my own depravity. Are we willing to love Jesus for Jesus? And I really want to end with this testimony. You know, um, if you were here at part one, I was sharing to you my struggle between myself, my wife, and my son, right? There's this whole struggle. Um, that's not the end of the story. Uh, there are weeks before that struggle, or there's some time before that struggle, when I was praying and I was spending time with God because we, 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 we have heard of the situation. And I was spending time with God, and, and, and the doctor said that if you don't arrest this problem, uh, there may be a possibility that, you know, uh, the child may not make it or the wife may not make it. And of course, it's, it's very alarming news. But of course, the doctor was very reassuring and says, you know, don't worry about it. We're monitoring it every week. You know, we've got this medication, that medication. And what's just, you just have to have an emergency seizure. That's all. Uh, there's nothing to worry about. Everything's going to be okay. But it doesn't help that, you know, you hear this kind of news and you go home and you go, wow, my life can change in just a blink of an eye. My life can change. And I was praying to God, God, I know your love is great. And I need you right now to save my son. And I need you right now to have the pregnancy to be okay. I need a miracle in my life right now. I need a healing touch from God right now. I need Jehovah Rapha to show it on my doorstep right now. What do you need me to do? I will fast. I will pray. I will sacrifice my life. I will serve you. What do you need me to do? And in that moment when I'm just crying out to God, and let me, let me get it straight, there's nothing wrong with what I prayed, right? Because we all have prayed that prayer. There's nothing wrong. I'm not saying it's a wrong thing. We should pray that prayer. We should fast and pray. But in that moment, God challenged me, and I really heard a, a clear voice from God. And God says, what if your son don't make it? What if your wife don't make it? Now, if you know me, I'm not a career kind of guy. I'm not the kind of guy that, oh, I must be the boss. I must be the manager. Yes, give it to me because I deserve it. And I'm not kind of guy. I'm not, I'm not kind of guy that career moves. I'm not the kind of guy that, that I need to be the richest man. I need to have a big house. I need to have a big car. I'm not the kind of guy that I need to be the most popular. I need to have all the friends in the world. But I am the kind of guy, maybe one of my fallacies, I really always wanted a family. So when God says, what if your son don't make it? What if your wife don't make it? You know, it really it caught me off guard. He gave me the biggest question of my life. He says, if your son don't make it, or if your wife don't make it, will you still love me? If your son don't make it, if your wife don't make it, will you still love me? Sometimes that's why I don't pray. I'm like, God, why are you asking questions like that, right? Are you trying to tell me something? Are you hinting something to me? Are you telling me they're not going to make it? You, you're asking me to fast and pray even more? And God says, no, I'm not asking you to do anything. Stop, te stop telling me what you will do for me. I just want to know where your heart is for me. I just want to know where your heart is. And don't forget, I'm a good, good father. I'm a good God, right? I'm a good God. I'm going to give. If you love me, you know, in, in John 13, if you love me, love people. If you love me, abide in me. John 15, if you love me and abide in me, I will abide in you. Ask me anything and I will give it to you. Psalms 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you your heart desires. And that was a moment where God challenged me. This is not what I want you to do for me. Don't put obedience above the law. Don't put law above love. Don't put obedience above love. Tell me where your heart is. Will you still love me? And that's what I want to ask all of you this morning. If 
whatever it is in your heart's deepest desires, we all have a deepest desires. Let's not kid ourselves. It could be money, no judgment. It could be, it could be work, no judgment. It could be anything. It could be family, it could be children, it could be your health. What is it that is your deepest desires in this life that you really want God to grant you? No judgment. Whatever it is, it's okay. That's your life. And then God is asking you, if I don't answer that prayer, will you still love me? And I could not answer God. Let me tell you the truth. I struggle with that prayer. I struggle with that request. And I says, God, you know, if you're going to challenge me this way, you know, I don't know why I pray sometimes. You know, if I don't pray, I would never know this, right? And then I'm, I'll live my life in bliss. Sometimes so it's so difficult. Why you got, God, are you challenging me? Is this a challenge? Are you, are you asking me to give my life up to you? Are you asking me to be Abraham, to, to, to sacrifice my Isaac? I, I cannot be Abraham. I'm not Abraham, right? But a mere virtue that my name is Isaac, right? That's one. Secondly, I, I don't think I'm a man of faith like Abraham, right? Um, right? Uh, I struggled for a week. It's a real big struggle in my life. I struggled for a week. And I, and I says, God, please don't make me give it up. But then I, one week later, I came back. And of course, there was a lot of needy, small prayers in between. I came back and says, you know, I know you're a good God. You have brought me so far. I was a nobody. You brought me to a somebody. I was nothing. You brought me to something. I was poor. You made me not so poor. I was, I, was, I was a sinner. You made me a sinless man by your grace and your righteousness. I was, I was unloved by people. You loved me. I was nothing. You gave me everything that you, that, that, that you could possibly give me. And because of that, I remind myself that you are a good, good father to me. You will give me what, I think, what you think I need. You will give me. And I know that you will save my son. And I know that you will save my wife. And I know that you will, you will protect our family. I know. But even if, even if you don't, I will still love you. Or at least I try to. I will still try to. And I know I've given my life to you. I will serve the church. You know, I got a lot of offers before I came to church. But I said, no, I, I'm going to serve God. I don't care how much the church is going to pay me. I'm going to serve God. And that's why I'm giving you my life, God. But even if you don't come through in this pregnancy, I'm still going to serve you. I says, and I knew the preaching roster. I knew that I'm going to speak this weekend. And I knew this weekend is going to be after the pregnancy. And I told God, even if you don't come through to me, and it's going to be a time of grieving, I'm still going to stand on this platform to preach about your love. I'm still going to, because I know how much you have loved me. And the question I want to ask all of us today, if we don't love God for God, if we love God for all the plus things that He can do for us, God, I want my healing. My, I put my healing above my love for you. God, I want my health. God, I want my work. God, I want my money more than I love you. I think God is telling us, people, SIBKL, we have missed the mark. Are we willing to pray? Are we willing to step of, uh, take a step of faith forward and say, even if you don't come through for me, I will still love you. I will still raise my hands in worship. I will still read my word. I will still pray. I will still tell people how much you are a good God in my life. I will still be a lover of God. I don't just want to be a believer in Christ. I want to be a laid down lover. That I'm laying down my desires. I'm laying down my wants. I'm laying down my needs. I'm laying down my prayer requests just so that I can be a lover of God. And then if we can pray that prayer, I guarantee you, God will say it back to you. I am a Psalm 37 verse 4 God. 
if you delight yourself in me, I will give you the desires of your heart. I will give you because I'm a good, good father. You know, now that I have a son, I tell my wife, you know, we, we're already doing our financial planning for the next 25 years. I'm like, if we save up this much, right, he can go to this university, go to that university, assuming he wants to and assuming he can, right? right? We don't know yet. But at least we, we have a contingency plan just in case he can, right? And I told my wife, if, if he is a very smart boy and he loves us and he obeys us and he wants to go to Harvard University, he got in or Oxbridge University and it's going to cost us an arm and a leg just to, to, you know, to send him to the university, will, you, will I not sell my house and rent a, a cheaper place just to, to fund him for university? Will I not sell my car and take the bus to work every day just so that he can go to university? If he loves me and he's obedient, I would because I know that that money is going to be well spent in his university and he's going to graduate and one day I'll tell him how much I sacrificed for him so he has to buy me a new house, right? That's the plan, right? That's the plan, right? But if he grows up and maybe he takes drugs, maybe he's a rebellious kid, Maybe he doesn't, he's irresponsible. Maybe he, he can study, but he don't want to study. Maybe he skipped all his classes. And he tells me, Dad, I, I still want to go to university. I still need this kind of money. I would was, I was say to him, Son, I love you no matter what. I will still love you, but I cannot give you that money. I will not sell my house yet until you have proven that you can actually make good use of the money that I'm giving you. Because what's the point of me selling my house and then you're just going to burn the, burn the money away by being a delinquent at university? And that's the same for God for us. He loves us no matter what. But sometimes He has not answered our prayers because maybe that's not what's good for us. Maybe, just maybe. And I'm not saying that's for all of us. Maybe. Maybe we have idolized our healing so much that God says, if I heal you right now, which I can and I want to, but if I heal you right now, you are not going to remember me. You're not going to love me more. You're not going to serve me more. You're not going to obey me more. What you're going to do is you're going to be very happy and you're just going to maybe run away from church, maybe fall away from the faith. And that only shows that you love what I can do for you more than you love me. Am I right? But once we love Him more, do you think God will withhold healing from your life? Do you think God will withhold that promotion? Do you think God will withhold blessings from your life? Trust me when I tell you this, God wants to bless us. But God needs to know our heart and where our heart is first so that we can be responsible for the blessings that He wants to give us. And I want to end with this. If one of you here is on death row because, hey, maybe you brought drugs into this, into this country and that's death by, by hanging, right? in this country and we obey the law, right? That's okay. But what if one of you has, is on death penalty and God said to me, I want you to replace this person with baby Jedediah. So baby Jedediah takes the place for this man or woman to die and this man or woman goes free. I said, absolutely not. No way, he's my son. I can't trust this guy. Who is this guy to me? He's nobody. Who's he to me? Nobody. I would never sacrifice my son so that you can go free. Right? He's my son. I love him so much. I only have one son. I will never give it up. And then God's saying to you, because that is exactly what I did for you. You were on death penalty. But I gave my son so that you can go free. And I want you to love me for me. 
done for what I can do for you. And I want to do it for you. But will you remember what I've done for you? And will you miss me when you have not talked to me in three days? Will you read the Word of God when you have not read the Word of God in three days? Will you pray and ask me how magnanimous is my love? How I can create the universe and yet still give your son life? Will you ask me about the attributes of grace, the attributes of love, the attributes of faith, the attributes of mercy, the attributes of how much power I have to stop the wind and waves and to heal you from whatever you need to be healed? Will you ask me who I am instead of what I can do for you? And I want you to come back to the first love of God because when we are laid down lovers, I guarantee you, when we are laid down lovers, God will show you things that you have never seen before and He will give you miracles in your life that you were never seen before because He knows that no matter how many miracles will hit you in your life, you will still love Him with all that you have. And He knows that if no miracles hit you ever, if you are not healed, if you have no money, you have no promotion, He knows that you still love Him with everything that you have, whether good or whether bad. And I guarantee you, if we have this posture as Christians to be laid down lovers of God, oh, there's no, there's no, the sky's the limit of what God wants to do in your life. The sky's the limit of what God wants to do in my life. Amen, church? Amen, church? So today I want to give a call. I really want to give a call. And nobody's going to pray for you in front. Nobody's going to pray for you because this is just going to be my dedication. When I struggled with God, nobody was there to pray for me. Nobody was there to pray for me. But it was me taking a step of faith saying, God, this is me. Even if you don't come through for me, I will still love you. I will still be here to serve you because I know that you are a good, good father. And some way down the line, I may not understand why you didn't answer my prayers, but I still know it's for my good. I still know you are good. I still know you are love. I still know that you are powerful enough to do it, but you didn't because it's for my good. Church, I'm calling us to take a step of faith to say, God, if I have put law above love, I'm standing up right now saying that I want to reverse the order. I want to put love before law. Church, if you have always prayed and always asked God for something and never asked God for who He is, I want us to take a stand right now and say, God, from today onward, this is going to be my breakthrough. I want to take a stand and say, God, I want to pray and ask you who you are. I want you to show me your glory like you showed Moses your, your glory. I want you to show me your love like you have showed Moses your love. I want you to show me your mercy and your grace for me before my healing and before my own wants, my own desires. I want you to show me who you are. And that is a step of faith. I want us, this church, to be laid down lovers. Laid down lovers of Jesus Christ. Not Jesus Christ plus healing. Jesus Christ plus promotion. Jesus Christ plus, plus, plus. Just Jesus for who He is and how much He has done to show you that He has loved you no matter what you have done in your life. He accepted you for what you've done in your life. Will you now come to Him and say, God, I want to know you for you and not what you can do in my life. Not many churches can take this kind of message, you know. But the reason why we can preach it is because unapologetically, we love the Lord. Unconditionally.
And I know in my spirit, as we close this year, probably many things have transpired in the last 10 to 11 months. And a challenge for you, challenge for me, challenge for my pastors. Will you love the Lord above everything else? Will you love the Lord above everything else? There's a term for that in the Bible. It is called the Abrahamic test. And the amazing thing is this. God will love you back. God will love you back. Because He knows. As He told Abraham, Now I know. Now I know that you love me. I challenge you today. At the close of this morning's service, will you love the Lord above everything else? Hallelujah. You know in your own heart there is something in your spirit that you need to respond to God. You've been fighting it for a long, long time. You know that there is something that's hindering you. Maybe you things of the present or the past, nor even uncertainty of the future. But there's one thing the Lord demands of you, and this is it. So if you feel that you need to respond to Him, God will never shortchange you. He's a good God. Shadrach. Meshach, Abednego said the same thing. Even if you do not deliver me, we will still not deny the Lord. Wow. No matter what, love the Lord. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. That's why it gives me tremendous joy and encouragement to pastor this church because it's amazing. When we are able to reach to that level, you know God will pour out His love. Believe me. Really, believe me. I know what I'm talking about. I know it. And I want you to know it as well. Love him. Love him. He is worthy of your love because you are worthy of his love. Amen. We love because he first loved us. He has proven it, he has demonstrated it. Will he fail you? Will he fail you? Step by step, stage by stage, 
phase by phase the lord will lead you the lord will lead me he will never force himself upon you never force himself upon me but every step of the way he wants us to make that choice that's all there is understand no condemnation only the good love and the hand of the lord because he is a good god he is a good god there is no evil in him not an iota of evil in the lord god is Father, you accept the offering of praise that we are laying before you today. I pray, Father God, you accept the heart of love that we are laying before you today. I pray, Father God, that we're not just going to call us believers of Christ. We're not just going to be believers of Christ, but we're also going to be laid down lovers. Today, Father God, we want to know you more. We want to understand you more. Show us what it means that you love us. Show us what it means that you have given us grace and mercy and faith. Show us what it means for Lord Jesus Christ that you sent your only one and only son to die for my sins. Show me, Lord Jesus, your glory. Show us your glory, Lord God. Show us your face, Father. Show us your love, Father. Show us your glory in this place, Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, we are your people. We are hungry for you. We are hungry for you. Our hearts are consecrated for you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, Lord God. And if and if we fall tomorrow, give us the strength to come back. If we fall tomorrow, give us the grace and the mercy to come back to your arms, O oh Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father God. May you show and may you exemplify and may you just anoint every single heart here with the love of God that is so powerful that nothing in this world can ever shake them, can ever shake us. The love of God that is so powerful that will be manifested and be so evident in the hearts of men in the hearts of your people, in the hearts of this church. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing everything for us so that we can be laid down lovers for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this church. And I pray, Father, Lord Jesus, that you separate us now with your grace, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the grace of Christ, the love of the Father. Can you bless our going in and going out? Will you protect us in our home and our families? Will you thank you, Lord Jesus, for continuing to guide us along our ways? you be the lamp on our feet, O oh Lord Jesus, as we commit our whole lives in your hands because we know it's safe with the Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We cry, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. A thousand thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.